The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org.
So I, I love that our church um, focuses on the victory of the cross, and um, that's the main thing here. Uh, and so I want to kind of go to like to where Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and focus on one thing that he says, um, not as I will, but as you will. And uh, think about that as a, a way of praising God. Um, that he he knew what he had to do, but he does it in a in a worshipful way. That no matter what, I'm going to praise you regardless. And there's a song right now that is probably my favorite, and I, I'm going to read you some lyrics. Um, it's by a guy named Benjamin William Hastings, and he sings for Hillsong, but he put out a solo album. And so I'm going to read you some lyrics and. Hopefully this isn't too long and you guys tune out. But he says, when it's yes or no or wait, I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to praise you anyway. It's heartbreak. I'm going to praise you anyway. When the sky is blue, when it falls with rain, and the promise and the pain, oh, to me, it's all the same. I'm going to praise you anyway. Because your heart is for me, and it always will be. I won't doubt the plan, because it's not my place. I just take my song, praise you anyway. Because you're always worth and you always will be. I won't doubt the plan, because it's not my place. I'll just take my song, praise you anyway. I think he took the, I think he took the, the lead from Jesus, saying, not my will, but your will. I think plenty of us are going through hardships, have gone through hardships, and unfortunately we're going to go through hardships in the future. And I think as Christians, we need to have that mindset, not my will, but your will. And the highlight and the heartbreak, I'm going to praise you anyway. When the sky is blue, when it falls with rain, I'm going to praise you anyway. 
I think when we when we gather around communion, we can thank God that He sent His Son and that we get to praise Him anyways for the sins that we've committed, the sins that we're going to commit, that the troubles that we're going to have, the troubles that we've had, that He's been with us all this time, and that we can praise Him anyways. So, as we gather around the communion right now, I just hope that He shows you right now that in James 4, He says, draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. So help Him, ask Him to help you uh, like show you that there's a way to praise him in the storms that you're in right now. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your son. We thank you for justifying, redeeming, for his sacrifice, Lord. We love you. We're going to praise you anyways and highlight and heartbreak. We're going to praise you anyways. We worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. A paradox is an English term that it discusses two seemingly contradictory statements that can both be true. Two concepts that can both be true. Here's a warning sign that there's no warning signs coming. You know, stuff like that. Here's one. You are currently living and dying. Do you realize that? You're currently living. You're currently dying. Uh, so, so they're paradoxes. How can they be both things? It, sometimes you have to be cruel to be kind. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. You hearing me? What about this? God is an unconditionally loving father and an uncompromising judge. See, that's a hard paradox to deal with. How could a loving God sentence people to an eternal hell. The Pew Research Group in 2021 surveyed 10,000 Americans asking these questions, do you believe in heaven or do you believe in hell? 73% said they believe in heaven, but only 62% believe in hell. When they talked about people from different backgrounds, people that came from predominantly evangelical churches or predominantly black churches, 91% of those people believe that hell exists as real. But as, when you got into denominational mainline Protestant churches, that fell to 84%. And then to Catholic churches to 74%. Three out of, uh, three out of four believe it, but one doesn't. Now, talking about hell is an uncomfortable topic. You may have come in and picked up the bulletin to say unconditional, you know, uh, whatever it says about eternal punishment. Ooh, this is going to be a drag. This is a difficult subject. It can be a sticking point for a lot of people. And I got a hunch if there was one piece of theology that we'd all like to take out or change, it would be this concept of hell. Could we, could we dial that down a little bit, God? I like this discussion of God and heaven, but, but a loving God wouldn't allow this. Well, friends, if you've ever said that, you're not alone. It is a sticking point for a lot of people. But as we've been looking all this year, we want to be a people of the Word. We want to know what the Word says. We want to be uh, literate about Bible Scripture. So can we discuss this subject of hell for a few minutes. We're in this series, He Said What? And, and we're looking at the shocking statements of Jesus. And this is going to be finishing it up. Next week we'll get into this study of the tabernacle. We're going to be in Matthew 25. If you'd start turning there, if you're online or on the radio, thanks for joining us at Central Christian Church. Now, as we have talked about, when we're looking at His statements, if we're only looking at a statement, context is king. We've got to look at it, what's going on around it. In this passage in Matthew 25, he is talking about the sheep and the goats and how we treat people that are struggling. When did you see me hungry? When did you see me thirsty? When did you... And it's in this passage. But I find it curious that it's how we treat other people that leads into a discussion of hell. 
Now, this could get a little nerdy. There's going to be some places. We're going to throw a lot of verses at you. I need you to keep your Bibles open, your eyes and your ears open. I don't want this to be a downer, but I want us to see what Scripture says. Can we do this together? Join me in Matthew 25. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It's the last part of this chapter, and you'll see all of this working together. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked? sick or in prison and not help you and he will answer i tell you the truth when you refused to help the least of these my brothers and sisters you were refusing to help me now look real close at 46 and keep keep on that one and they will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous will go into eternal life I've spent the last couple of weeks looking at a lot of the hell passages in Scripture. Oh, that's kind of a downer, I'm going to tell you. But what I've, I've come to determine, and I, I don't know if this is right, but I think much of what we think about hell and the devil comes from cartoons. It comes from a, a little guy that's horns and a tail and a pitchfork, and sometimes he has wings. He lives in this bat cave, and it's, and it's all on fire all the time. Let's look at it from Scripture. Does the devil have horns? Well, there's nothing in Scripture that would support that. There's nothing really there that will talk about that. All it says is that he is a fallen angel. Now, many will suggest, and I agree, that the horns came from the pagan god Pan. Or maybe even the goats, worship of goats. If you were with us a few weeks ago, we talked about horns like Loki has on his helmet, that horns symbolize power. So it may have come from that. Is the devil red? There is nothing in Scripture that would support that. However, there is a passage in Revelation chapter 12 where it says a red dragon was fighting against the people of God. Now, it may have come from that. It may have come from medieval artwork. We don't really know how we get this idea of the red devil. But there's nothing in Scripture that would say that. Does the devil have a tail? Again, he's a fallen angel. There's no evidence that angels or devils have tails. But that same passage from Revelation 12 said that that red dragon, his tail will sweep the stars from the sky. Maybe it came from there. Does he have a pitchfork? This was fun. Now, a lot of people will suggest that it came from Poseidon, the trident from Poseidon. And maybe that's where it was. But there was some other suggestions. And this is interesting that, that it is a, a slam at French people. Because in the 1200s, the French started bringing in cutlery, forks and knives and spoons. And us British people, we didn't need no stinking utensils. We ate with our hands. You think you're all uppity and such. So there was concepts that they drew it into the devil making the French people the devil. Now, I don't know if that's true, and I don't really care. But, but what happened there is really interesting because it's something that we have all done a zillion times. If it's something we don't agree with, we demonize it. You hear me? If, uh, that may be the other team. That might be the other political party. You hearing what I'm saying? If I don't agree with it, well, it's got to be of the devil. And we just demonize everything. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's something we've all done. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's how these cartoons can seep into our life. And we sometimes think that Satan is the king of hell. That he, he lives there and he resides there. Guess what? Scripture will not support that. Scripture will not support that God and Satan are separate equals. That's not true at all. God is sovereign. You can amen that one. God is sovereign. The devil is below. Satan himself will be tormented in hell. Revelation 20 and verse 10 assures us of this. Listen to this. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Well, what is hell then? 
Now, my thoughts today are my thoughts, okay? I, I just want you to hear some of the things I've studied. You can agree, you can disagree. I want us to be people of the Word. Can we do that? I believe, personally, that hell is a literal, real place. It's not a state of mind. A lot of times we think it's below ground. I will talk about that in a minute, but I want to submit to you that we will all live forever. It's just where you want your mail forwarded. That's, that's really what it boils down to. According to verse 46, some will go to the resurrection of life, but some will go to eternal punishment. And all of us will face judgment. Hell is never a fun subject to talk about, but Jesus talks about it. In fact, he speaks more about hell than he does about heaven. He's, and it's not that he's interested more in it. I think he wants us to see it. We're going to throw a bunch of verses at you and, and talk about what hell is. But in the 80s, there was a Christian band named DeGarmo and Key that had an album out, called, and they, their album was called Boycott Hell. And, he, and they came out on tour and they said, we just don't want anybody to go. And I thought, you know, that's pretty good thinking right there. But Jesus himself talks about hell as a lot of different places. He says it's a place of fire. Mark 9 and 43. See if you recognize this passage. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Do we remember this one? It is better for you to enter life maimed with two hands than to, listen to this, to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to, listen to what he says, enter life. Enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into the fires of hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes. Listen to this. Be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. This is words of Jesus. He says it's a place of fire. He says it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. We recognize that phrase. That shows up six or seven times in Jesus' teaching. One was in Matthew chapter 13. They'll throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Everybody do me a favor. Everybody gnash your teeth right now. All right, see, look what you did to your face. You, you know, it immediately does this. Half of you do this, all right? <coughs> gnashing of teeth, it... it it's this anger, right? It's frustration. It's bad. It's a, and weeping. Weeping is not crying at some Hallmark movie, all right? Weeping is anguish. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's pain. It's emotion. It's emptiness. It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus says it's a place of darkness in Matthew chapter 8. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now here's a problem. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work as a literal description. Listen to me. How can you have an unending fire and darkness? Fire puts out light. How can it be dark and fire at the same time? How can it be a bottomless pit? He says that in another place. How can it be a bottomless pit and still be on fire? How can you be thrown into the fire and still be weeping because the fire would dry out the tears? You hear what I'm saying? I don't think these are specific literal images. I think these are impressions of hell. You hear me? These are images of what hell is going to be like. Much the same way we have images of heaven, impressions of heaven. In heaven, it's going to be paved with streets of, all right, and the gates are made of pearly gates, pearly gates, gold streets. Now, I don't know if it's actual gold, physical gold, and actual pearl gates. I think what the writer's trying to describe to us there is the things that we think are the most valuable on earth, gold, are dirt up there, all right? It's, it's just... He's trying to put a, a differentiation. It's an image of heaven. I think these are impressions of hell. I believe it's a real place. It's a real bad place. And whether we believe in it or not, it doesn't diminish hell's presence. Now quickly, the Bible speaks of hell using several words. There are some words that are coming up on the screen here. Everybody say Sheol. That's Hebrew. Everybody say Hades. 
That's Greek. Those are, those are paired words. They show up a lot in the Old Testament as Sheol, translated in the New Testament as Hades. Sheol is the place, it, re- it references the underworld where everybody goes, okay? Even David in Psalm 6 and verse 5 says, how can we praise you from Sheol? He believed that every, we all, everybody in the Old Testament was going to Sheol, okay? I don't want to dig too deep into that. If you want to, we'll go into that later. Those two terms pair together. For right now, can we take those and put them on the shelf and talk about this other term, Gehenna? Everybody say Gehenna. Gehenna, or it's translated Valley of Hinnom, was a physical real place. It, it started about a hundred years before Jesus was born. It's right outside the city of Jerusalem, the old city. It's southeast of the old city. And for lack of a better term, the Valley of Hinnom was the trash dump. Okay? The trash dump. They didn't have dumpsters. This was the city dump. That's where you took all of your trash and you burned it out there. That's where if animals died, they took them out there. If people died, they took them out there. Everything bad was out there. It was always burning. It was always on fire. There was always smoke coming from this bad place. But it goes worse. Write this one down. Second Chronicles 28. We're not going to go there. Just look at it. And, and in 2 Chronicles 28, stick with me, this is kind of nerdy. We're introduced to a guy named Ahaz, who is the king of Israel. He's not a bad king. He's the king of Israel. You hear me? He's not a king of some other country. He's God's king, and he goes to the Valley of Hinnom to offer sacrifices to pagan gods. But not just sacrifices. He offers living children as sacrifices to Molech, and what we call Baal, Baal, which are common Canaanite gods. And not only did he offer children, he offered his own sons as an offering to Molech. This is a place of horrible abomination. It's a place of destruction. It's a place of idolatry. It's a place of of darkness. Gehenna is a place where God's will and God's ways are completely ignored. You hear me? Gehenna is a terrible place, and it is a picture of the moral character and the quality of Gehenna. You hear me? It's outside of Jerusalem. I would like to submit to you that hell is not underground. It is outside of the will of God. Heaven is His presence come down. We sing it in the first service. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. All right, Heaven's presence is, is God. The new Jerusalem will come out of the sky and God's presence will be there and we will live with Him and God's love will be there and people will love each other and that's what heaven is about. Well, hell is outside of that. If the defining mark of heaven is the presence of God, then the defining mark of hell has got to be the absence of God. And by our own choice, you're going to live in one of those two places. Now this might be a sticking point to you. And you might have doubts about this, and you might not like this, and say, Don, I like heaven. (laughs) Can we just talk about heaven and, and ignore this hell? Actually, no, you can't do that. You can't have one without the other. But Don, I don't like that. I can't believe someone will suffer eternally. I can't, I, I can't believe that. I, that's not fair. Now, you are absolutely allowed to say that. But listen to me. I've played with this and I've tried and tried and tried to figure out a way. But when we say that, when we say... I like heaven, but I don't believe in hell, and I don't believe that's fair. Do you realize what you're doing there? You're saying you're smarter than God. You're saying that you're you're more merciful than God. You're saying you know better what should happen to people, because that's not fair. You see, nothing could be more patently absurd than you and I being smarter than God. But we play it, don't we? We play God, we put ourselves in that God seat, and we say, well, we think we know who gets to go and who doesn't. Listen, when Jesus is saying this stuff in Matthew 25, I don't think he's saying it gleefully happy, ha, 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 you people are going to the bad place. I don't think it's like that at all. I think he mourns this discussion. 
When he came into Jerusalem, he was crying. Oh, Jerusalem, you don't get it. There's so many of you that are not getting it. I love this verse that, that Samantha read earlier. This is from the New Living Translation. The Lord isn't being slow about His promise, as some people think. He is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anybody to be destroyed, but everyone to repent. Now listen to me. I believe this is the heart and the desire of God, that every single human come to Him. He, He knew you before you were born. He knew all of them before they were born. He knows every hair on our head. He, his desire is that all of us come to Him. Can we honestly think we are smarter than God? We're more merciful than Him? That's ridiculous. But... Sometimes we do. And friends, if we refuse to believe in hell, we're actually ignoring free will. If we don't believe hell exists, we don't believe that God really is giving us hope. He opened the door of relationship to Him. Would you agree with that? He is the one that opened the door, but He is not going to force any of you. He is not going to grab you by the ear and drag you. You better get your fanny down that front pew and you better get yourself into heaven. He's never going to do that. He's never done that. It says he stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't kick the door in. Now, for some of us, we have family members that have not responded, right? And we want him to kick that door in for him. He will not do that. It is a loving response. Get saved or I'll kill you. No, no, no. Do you realize what... This is another weird one I had this week. Muslim terrorism... Is basically that. It's not love. It's not we want you to get right. We want you to do it like we do it or we will kill you. You're right. See, it's, it's, you can't love somebody and terrorize them. You can't force somebody to love you. And God will never do that. Friends, if, if you don't think heaven and hell are real, you're ignoring the gift that God has given us in free will. I love this from C.S. Lewis. Everybody in hell chooses it. God didn't send anyone there. God is allowing us to choose it. But listen close. Some are making demands of God about hell. Like we're entitled. Here, see if it sounds like this. Well, God, I like you and I like church, but listen, that's not what I believe. I don't believe that... That sin is that big of a deal. I mean, why can't we just do what we want to do? I mean, we're good people. Have we heard this? We're pretty good people. Why, can't, why is that one sin? Why is that so bad? Why can't we just love who we want, do what we want, where we will, right? Because it's not what God said. I want you to hear the full quote of what C.S. Lewis, that one that was up on the screen a minute. I want you to hear the whole thing. Listen to this. He's, this is perfect, Dennis. Absolutely perfect. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, your will be done. Did you hear that? And then he goes on and he says, all that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, fine. Those who knock, it will be open. That was the whole C.S. Lewis quote. It's powerful. It is, has nothing to do with our choices who gets in. You hearing me? It has everything to do with His Word. That is not my commentary on social justice or, or social ills. We are a people, we are a Bible believing and a Bible using church if we're going to believe this and use it then we got to do what it says now you can demand anything you want but you are not free of the consequences of those demands i don't believe that god i disagree with you you're fine you can disagree with him all you want but you're not free of the consequences do you see what that entitlement does to us well, God, I'm pretty smart. We're, you know, we've got the internet now. We've learned all of these things. I mean, we can fix everything, right? It, it warps our view of God and it warps our view of self. So this is heavy, and I, I, I get that. But friends, if we don't grasp hell, we are ignoring evil. 
Do we understand how ugly sin is? It is acid. It corrodes. It is aggressive. It destroys. There is no good version, okay version of sin. And I'll be real blunt with you. I'm afraid Americans, we're, we're really bad at it because we've got first world problems. You know what I'm saying? We're saying, well, it's not that big of a deal to gossip. I mean, so we covet a few more things. It's not that big. I mean, it's not like we've killed anybody. You hearing me? We don't see how disgusting it really is. I got a book this week. I don't know if I want to finish this hard. It's called The the Locust Effect by a guy named Gary Hogan. He's the director of a thing called International Justice Mission. They go around the world and help work with Amnesty International. It's a Christian organization. They go into these countries where people are oppressed, where people are trafficked. And he tells a lot of horror stories about eight-year-old girls being sold into slavery. It's just awful stuff. And I'm not going to bore you with the stories, but... Most of us have heard those kind of stories, right? We've seen Rafa House, we've seen some of these, and we hate it. But it, there's something in our American mind that says that's all the way around the world. Play with me for a second, okay? What if, what if that wasn't around the world? What if it was right here in Portales? And somebody got stolen and kidnapped and taken. And what if, God forbid, and I do not want this, but what if it was your kid? What if it was your daughter? Would you not move heaven and hell to get that kid back? Of course you would. Any decent parent would. But what about this? What if it's your neighbor down the road? Your neighbor down the road, it's her kid that's stolen. And you go down there and you bang, bang on the door. Oh my goodness, this is terrible. What are we going to do? What can we do? How can we help? And she says to you, well, Don, wait a minute. It's not that big of a deal. It's only their choice. It's their free choice. Let them do what they want to do. I mean, I don't want to hurt them. Can't we just, you just do you and I'll do me. Do you hear me? Do you hear how ridiculous, how, would you not be furious? How would you feel about that parent? All right. Would you, would you want to, you know, right there in the throat? Yeah. Have you lost your mind? This is a child we're talking about. Listen to me now. Our God in heaven is looking down on the, the injustice and the ugliness of our world, and He is saying, I can't stand this. And I will not stand this. There has to be a judgment. There has to be justice. It cannot be, everybody just goes to heaven. It's no big deal. It is a big deal. You hearing me? He does not will anyone to go there. In fact, He loves us so much that He gave us Jesus. He loves us so much, I don't, I, I'm going to let my son stay in hell for three days so you don't even have to visit the place. Now, I, like many of you, grew up with hellfire and brimstone preachers. Anybody? And sometimes I get a little nervous about those. They, they like that hell business way too much. You know what I mean? They get a little fired up about it. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of that angry pointing and stuff. I, I, don't, I don't like talking about this stuff, but we're people of the Word, right? And Jesus talked about this stuff. And I don't see Jesus being happy about it. I see Him mourning it. I see Him. When He went into Jerusalem, He's crying. Oh, Jerusalem, you don't even get it. I've been camped out in Matthew chapter 5, and, and stick with me for this for just a second. In Matthew chapter 5, it's a Sermon on the Mount. But one, you know, it's an incredible sermon, it's incredible teaching. But in that Matthew 5 passage, he has this, this stuff, many of you have heard this, the, you know where it says, you've heard it said, don't commit murder, but I say, do you remember this passage? No, tell me you're awake. Yeah. Uh, it's the kick it up a notch, all right? He said, you've heard it said, don't commit murder. But I say, don't even be angry. Because if you'll go back and read it in Matthew 5, it says, don't even be angry because that anger is set on fire by the fires of hell. And he says another place, don't commit adultery. Well, I tell you, don't even look on because that is the eyes of hell that is seeing that. I mean, these are ugly terms he's using. What that tells me... What it tells me is that we all have a moral compass. I bet we could all agree child molesters, bad, true? 
It's easy. We all uniformly can believe that. What murder is bad, bad. That's a bad one. That's a grade A sin, right? But Jesus says the root of that sin is in you and me. And that's where this gets ugly. He is talking to his followers and he sees the desire for those things in you and I. I would be willing to bet not a one of us in this room could pass that test in Matthew 5. When he says, you've heard it said don't commit murder. How many of you killed anybody this week? Oh, pretty low number. Okay, cool. Um, how many of you have been angry? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> All of those tests in Matthew 5, I'd be willing to bet he gets every single one of us in this room. Don't you think? Because the desire for those things are in us. And it makes me believe that God is way more serious about getting rid of sin in our life than we are. Friends, this is ugly. Jesus talks about hell because it's real. And He doesn't want us to go there. So, what will you do with these shocking statements of Jesus? This Jesus, Son of God, that loves us all, says these people are destined for eternal punishment. Some will go to eternal life. Some will go to eternal punishment. Now, this is a hard question, but ignoring the question is not an option. What are you going to do with these words of Jesus? Will you say, oh, nice sermon, Don. Yeah, I agree with you. Hell's a bad place. I don't want to go there. He's talking about how we treat our fellow man. That's where all of this comes from, is our behavior with others. Will there be any change in us? Listen to me. If, if the threat of eternal punishment is what makes us be good people, are we really good people? <laughs> if we're going out here, man, I don't want to go to hell. I better go help somebody. That's not a good enough motivator. What a better motivator is, is his unbelievable love. Look, I don't want anybody going out here all Debbie Downer. Man, Don was on a rant today. Oh, you know, I don't want that at all. I want us to have a good view of hell and a better view of our God. You see, his words, his shocking statements were to give us life. Friends, we don't have to be afraid of hell. We have a Savior that paid our price. We're headed into Easter season. We're headed into that. We get to celebrate all what He did. He chases us down. He fights till we're found. He loves you. Do not leave this place without that in your mind. But let us all commit together to telling our friends, to inviting our friends, to showing people how much His love is valuable. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.